What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Spitfire Podcast. We uh, have a great show for you, and uh, I hope that you brought your sunglasses because we are going to be sparkling. We're going to be hustling. We're going to be growing. We are talking to Julie Ball, the maven of uh, merchandising, the boss <laughs> boxing, the sultan of subscription. She is killing it in the subscription box world and beyond. And I am biased because Spitting Fire, my book, has been a featured book in the box. So I'm going to let that be known now. That's why I'm so hyped up. And your <laughs> voice, like, go like five or six octaves higher because this is like it's squeal time for me because I just get super excited. But Julie, thank you so much for joining me today. Yes, what an intro. Thank you so much. I'm like, I just want to be like a professional hype person. Like, <laughs> Just got fired from Public Enemy, so I'm like, I could totally be that for like any any entrepreneur out there. I love it. <laughs> we'll make it happen. It'll be great. So you are based in Asheville, North Carolina, right? So you are in an amazing place, and you take these amazing products. I'm not going to speak for you because I feel like you know your business model best, but I want to dive into subscription boxes, sourcing. Uh, contract employees, marketing, branding, all the things in a small package. Let's do it. Is the subscription box small. So tell me, how did you get into subscription box? Okay. So I had been running my own um, all female website design and development firm for about five or six years. And then we moved from the Charlotte area to Asheville. And so I was in a new town and I didn't know a lot of people and all my work was being done behind the screen. So I was getting a little bit lonely, a little bit antsy, um, was looking for that community. And so I thought, well, why don't I start a community? Um, there's a lot of already, um, there already are a lot of Facebook groups for female entrepreneurs. And I was getting involved in those and having a, a really good time. And I guess at that point too, I also thought about wanting a tangible product, like something of my own to hold, to create, and I love getting happy mail, don't all, doesn't everyone. And so I was subscribed to a few boxes at that point. And I thought, well, what if I just put stuff into, to serve my existing audience? Like, what would that look like? And so I looked back at my finances and just to see what I was spending my money on. That's an eye opener, by the way, you should try that. <laughs> and I saw a lot of office supplies, a lot of um, personal development, like training courses, books, that type of thing. So I thought, okay, let's try to put those in a box, see if it has legs. And I was really just starting it as a side hustle. I was still doing the, the web agency, um, fast forward nine months, and I had replaced my full-time income and I stopped taking new clients and eventually phased out that side of the business and went all in on the subscription box business. Nine months. That's incredible. It was scary <laughs> and fast. <laughs> yeah. So, so you got those financial indicators of, I'm going to be all right. Mm -hmm. this, but what was that moment where you're like, okay, this is that, that time to pivot and to change? That's a good question. I think it was, there wasn't like one specific moment, but there was a month or two where I could tell that I was getting in my way. Um, you know what I mean? When, when you need to get out of your own way to move forward, that means like hiring people, outsourcing things, finding your systems, that type of thing. And um, that was about mid 2017, where I was um, really kind of not able to scale because I was holding myself back. And what I landed on was it was because I was spending a lot of time still on my web agency work. 
even though my heart was pulling me towards the subscription box business, I had contracts to fulfill and obligations with, with those. Um, plus I didn't want to let my clients down. And so I told them what was going on and I gave them a date. I said, this is when um, we no longer, the end of your contract, we won't be renewing, but I'll help you find a replacement for me. So that made me feel better and made them feel better. And it allowed me to make that pivot and um, go all in on the box business. That's awesome. I mean, I, I hear from people all the time. They're like, I want to grow, but I don't trust people coming on. I don't know how to let go. So how were you able to delegate, to trust people, to bring people into your world so that you could scale? Yeah, there's a couple answers I have to that. One, there it is a leap of faith. I mean, there's just, there's some amount of uncertainty in it when you hire someone or when you um, get a, for us, it was like a, getting a warehouse to fulfill for us. We also were at a point in our house, we were renting a house, um, I think it was about 1200 square feet and we were physically running out of space. The post office and like the postman's like, okay, how many, how much stuff can you, can come in and out of this house? At some point it's got to stop. Um, we took care of our, our postal workers, always, you know, treating them to cookies and gift cards and stuff to make them feel appreciated. But it got to the point where, where I couldn't physically lift all these boxes anymore because they were so heavy with books. And um, that's when I realized I needed to hire out. I needed to take all of this out of our house and put it in a warehouse. The people that um, that pack and ship the boxes, that's definitely a scary thing handing over. Cause that's like, you're handing over your baby to daycare for the first time. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, um, I am kind of a type A, no, I'm not kind of, I am type A. <laughs> so I had done time studies. I had laid out like, this is exactly how the boxes get packed. This is how, um, our postage works. Who of the warehouses that I'm interviewing, who's willing to work with me on that? And we were able to find one locally here in Asheville. Um, but we are at a point now where we're, we're switching over to a new warehouse this year because we're taking the next level, taking it to the next level in our business. So another scary moment where we're handing our baby over to someone new, but that's, that's part of it. Yeah. So let's talk numbers. So in 2017, mm -hmm. when you were getting Sparkle, was it, was it always called Sparkle Hustle Grow? Yes. Okay. So we're clear on the name. As you're moving up and you transition out of doing contract client work, how many subscribers, how many boxes were you sending out each month? Oh, that's a good question. I think when I started having the conversation with my clients, I was probably around the 500 mark. And then, um, gosh, I must have been somewhere around the 800 mark by the time I was closing down shop. So the thing with, with subscription boxes is, when you, the more you buy, as far as your products and your custom boxes, the more you save, you know, it's like a typical economies of scale type thing. So as I would grow my business, I'd get better pricing on things. So it was able to improve that profit margin. So it's definitely not a get rich quick scheme by any means. Um, it's one of those like slow and steady wins the race. It's just, I was sprinting at that time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I had to get control of the growth so that it wasn't overwhelming me. Mm -hmm. So we're at 500 then 800. Then mm -hmm. when you basically bust out of the seams of your house, how many, how many boxes are you at at that point? Well, we started using the, the fulfillment center right around that. I think it was right around four to 500 mark. 
okay. um, if I remember correctly, because that's when we were busting out of the seams. We were finding crinkle cut everywhere in the house, even in uh, the laundry. So it, it got to a point where, yeah, we just, it was, it was like do or die. You're going to have to get this out of the house. Yeah, so just uh, give people like a visual representation, each subscription box, what's the dimension on that? Sure. It's a six by nine by three box. So it's think of like if you buy a, um, a new pair of flat shoes, like flats, that's about the size of it. So just enough to fill with a book and then four to six items like stationary tech gadgets, that type of thing. So it's pretty small box, but we also sprinkle, <laughs> we sprinkle crinkle cut on top and it gets messy and it's sparkly and fun and then multiply it by 500 in your house. Yeah. Yeah. So imagine like I'm looking at my, my closet right now and I have one of those over the door hangers for my shoes, uh-huh. probably 40 pairs of shoes there. I think it's a lot. Multiply that by 10 and then the width and everything else. And you start to really see the magnitude of, of this. And this is just at the inception of, of Sparkle Also Grow. So where are you now as you're evolving into the second warehouse? So that's interesting you ask. We, depending on time of the year, because we've got some seasonal slumps, that's just typical for the subscription box industry, anywhere from 1,000 to 1,300 subscribers. And let me tell you why. We're not looking to be the next FabFitFun. We intentionally cap it at that kind of, that kind of um, quantity, that volume level, because we want to create an environment that's still intimate enough that you get to know the people. Um, part of the subscription is there's an online community. And so many people say they join for the stuff, but they stay for the community. And in that community, we have guest experts, we do master classes, we um, cheer each other on, support each other, and it's this wonderful place to be. But we found the larger that it got, the less intimate and impactful it felt. So we intentionally stay around those numbers. Now, I do coach other people how to launch and scale their own subscription boxes, uh, businesses, and many of them have volumes way beyond what I sell. So it's really depending on what the experience, like the full customer experience you're trying to create. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I think if you don't have a clear uh, idea of what success looks like for you, then things get out of control really fast. Or if they're not in your mind where they think they are, then you start to do this comparison. So you have found this sweet spot of, you know what, we're capping it at this point because beyond that, we start to lose our potency for that intimacy and connection. And 100%. Maybe a transactional, we want to make X amount of dollars because that allows us to do even more things profitability wise. So mm-hmm. I think that's a huge takeaway that I've, I've now been thinking of for my own business of, is it about a number? Is it about like a monthly number or is it about the type of clients and, and the depth in, in which I'm able to work with them? Yeah, I agree. And it's funny because when I talk to vendors, um, a lot of times they'll, they'll say, well, okay, so you're just say you're at 1200 subscribers right now. Where do you see yourself in a year? And I'm like, about 1200, but don't mistake that for lack of ambition. That's just focus. That's what we know that where we're good at. Um, so the reason why we're switching warehouses is to improve our systems. Mm. So we love our existing warehouse. It was a mom and pop local warehouse. We got to know them like family, which was awesome. But now we're taking it to the next level where we're going to have the software in place to take some other things off of my plate. So it's kind of moving into more of that CEO role and less of the, the foot soldier role. Um, so again, handing, handing more things off to other people, which is exciting. 
um, but at the same time, scary. Yeah. So with this new evolution, mm-hmm. you can kind of see yourself as, as like different phases of leadership for you. So as you got started, what, what's like a descriptor that you would describe yourself as a leader back in the day? Ooh, um, I questioned myself a lot more. Um, I knew what I wanted and I make decisions very quickly all my life I have. Um, but there, I just didn't have a mentor in my specific industry that had already paved the way or had said, Oh, when you get to that, this is what you do. And so a lot of my leadership style was through trial and error, to be honest with you. Um, now three and a half years in that's really shifted because now I have a team and I have people that are really good at what they do. And, um, for example, I have an operations girl named Amy and she knows more about operations than I do, but I know more about logistics from a, the fulfillment side. So we ask each other, we still, you know, ask and listen. I, some of this is still trial and error, but now it's like the collective wisdom of experts that, that we bring it together. So I think that's what makes it it different. Um, as far as, um, teams too, like one of the most important things that I've done for my team is to learn their love languages. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you've talked about love languages before, but it, it came from a book and it's basically think about like everyone has a bucket. What can you do to fill their bucket? Mm-hmm. And so, um, different people on my team have different love languages. Luckily travel is all of our love languages is at least one of our top ones. And so that works out really good for us because we like to travel as a team. We're spread all across the U S but I think that's what's, that's, what's really, um, helped me be a leader is to learn those love languages. What is your leadership love language? Ooh, um, probably, probably validation. (laughs) Um, I like to, um, hit goals. And when I get that hat tip that, you know, people said, Hey, good job. Or, um, I like when you did this, or that really helped me when you said this, um, getting that kind of validation or that acknowledgement, I think has been kind of my love language since I've been a little girl. Awesome. It's good to know it. Cause if you're not clear on it, then you don't know how to communicate it. And then you're like, I'm not getting what I need. Yes. My bucket's empty. One <laughs> else is full. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the things that, that I love about you and I love about Sparkle Hustle Grow is this, uh, paying it forward. I'm getting other vendors, other professionals, entrepreneurs, different people. Like my book, it was my first book ever written. And like when I was in your subscription box, like it was a game changer for me in the way that I was like, I'm in the hands of people I never would have reached. And I, I want to take this opportunity to really thank you for that. Cause. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I got chills. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Big and we've got to, we've got to share it, but it, I mean, it was huge. And I see all of, I'm still involved in the community and I see all of these people who, who are putting themselves out there and people are like, yes, please. I need more of that. And they're able to then share their own experience. So you have people who are entrepreneurs who are doing, you know, other pe- selling other people's products, but really like everyone is on this journey and experience. And it's this really cool, safe space for people to just be like, I need help. I need support. Who's got it for me. Yes. So more often than not, if you have a question, you're going to find someone in that group that has an answer or at least can direct you to a resource. So, um, I just love spending a lot of time in there. Yeah. So I I've noticed that, uh, the subscription box, uh, model has become a family affair. It has. Yes, it has. So So, on the game. 
He is. So I'm a coach. And because I was getting asked a lot about the, the industry, can I pick your brain, all that good stuff. So I became a coach to coach other people how to do it. So once we learned the business model, we're like, well, we can just duplicate the business model with a different idea. And so my husband and daughter, she's eight and a half. Um, they started a box called Together Unplugged, and it is a box for families with young children to unplug and play together. He is a former middle school teacher, and he was seeing some trends in the classroom that really pointed out some problems with screen time and um, not getting quality time with parents and the, the people that in your family. And so he curates a box of puzzles, games, um, team building activities, conversation starters, because a lot of times we don't even know how to talk to our kids at the table anymore. Um, and so, yeah, he started that about a year ago and our daughter is the chief game tester. <laughs> That's awesome. Did I see something about camping too? So, um, yeah, it's, it's been really fun to see my family join in on this, but also my friends, one of my good friends, Brandy, she launched recently a box called the happy glamper and it's for the glamping enthusiast. And so you probably saw me in some of her photo shoot pictures. <laughs> That's awesome. So you are spreading the, the box seeds all around you everywhere. You yes. If, if you could like ballpark it, how many subscription boxes do you think you've inspired or been a part of? That's a great question. So in um, Subscription Box Bootcamp, my group coaching program, we have over 200 students. So I would like to think that um, there's a couple hundred boxes out there that have either learned from me or been inspired by me. And um, so we re recently launched a podcast too called Subscription Box Basics with Julie Ball. So if you have any listeners that are thinking about maybe they have this, this subscription box business idea and they don't know where to start, that would be a great place to send them. Awesome. I, I attempted to, and I was like, this is like way beyond, um, my, my friends who are listening, we tried to do one. I'm not going to say the name of it, but it was just like, Oh, sourcing is not for me. And, you know, storing and this, I'm like, I'm an ideas person and I will happily hand it off. So mm -hmm. I know yeah. role. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's the visionary CEOs and then you, you need someone to execute for you. Yeah. I'm, I'm like really good at being the, um, <clears throat> I call it the emotional support. Like I'm the emotional support girlfriend for my boyfriend. I'm like the emotional support CEO. Uh, where like it's, it's, it's safe space to soundboard, but I'm like, I don't want to ultimately be in charge of the decision, which is an interesting place when you're running your own business. Yes. I'm glad you brought that up because that's what I really lean on my team for that. Um, so the two core team members, um, one is my yes girl. And one is my like, oh, let's think about this girl. And it's awesome. Be yeah, it's such a great combination, the three of us working together. Um, but one of my problems in my leadership is that I get decision and um, paralysis, where I have to make so many decisions on so many different levels um, of my business. And at some point, sometimes I'm just like, just make the decision. I trust you. <laughs> so it's really helpful to have team members that you can trust when you get to those points of decision paralysis. Yeah. So along with leadership pain points, what do you see as kind of the industry pain points? What do you see coming up that, that has you kind of paying attention to? Yeah, that's a great question. As far as being the box owner, as, as you know, in, information is scattered. If you tried to launch something, information is scattered and the execution is difficult um, unless you have a, a roadmap or something to like guide you. So that's from the box owner. But I think from the industry perspective, it's just the fact is um, the industry is growing. That's, there's no doubt about that. 
I don't believe it's necessarily even a trend anymore. I look at it as an industry that stands on its own. But part of the problem with the industry is that people are not always putting out a new product that's unique. Mm -hmm. And so I talk a lot about that with my boot campers where, and you've probably talked about this before and all business owners need to know this is to niche down, know exactly who you serve and how exactly you solve their pain point. I always give a quick example of something like there's a lot of boxes out there that sell tea, like um, coffee or tea, things like that. But if you say it's a tea box for new moms, then that new mom will be like, oh, that box was made just for me. And it's going to have very specific product in there. Probably one that's got like lots of caffeine, <laughs> probably one that is like a stress relief tea. You know what I mean? And so I think um, I would like to encourage people to be unique and niche down, niche down and niche down again, because otherwise you get lost in the sea of same. So this reminds me of um, the experience economy. I listened to a webinar on it and it essentially takes things from commodity to goods, to services, to experiences, and now the transformation. And I think people got locked into services and even experiences, but what you're talking about with this like ultra niche down is what is the transformation that your users, your customers are going to experience in receiving this and being part of the community? How are they going to be different after coming in contact with your product? Not only that is when the transformation of receiving the product, but in marketing, lead with the transformation, tell them what's going to happen through that product or that service. Yeah. I love that. It's all, it is about the transformation. Yeah. And that's the differentiator. Like anyone can do a subscription box, but what are you allowing? What are you catalyzing in someone's life? Mm -hmm. How are they going to be different after, after being with you? I love it. Yeah. I've been geeking out on this stuff. I was like, Ooh, I love economics. Let's do this. This is all going to work together. Um, but that's why I actually just wrote an article on like, will AI take over coaching? And I'm like, listen, mm -hmm. it will make things easier. You will be able to like problem solve and troubleshoot, but nothing can replace intuition. Yeah. That yeah. response, that human connection. It can't. Not be yeah. Not only that too is like, but I'll, myself and a lot of other, my colleagues included, make a lot of choices based off of heart too. You know what I mean? Like what is truly my mission and my vision for the business and what is best for my customers and like molding that all together? Where does my heart take me? So, and I think as women, a lot of times we, we struggle with that is, you know, making it based off of analytics as well as heart. Yeah. They are, they are not independent. They work together. Yeah. Awesome. So if you had to plant a seed for future success for you, for Sparkle Hustle Grow, for the subscription box world, what would it be? Well, for the world, for the subscription box world is that whole concept of niching down and being unique. I really come from an abundance mindset. I believe that there is more than enough to go around. Um, I see people that launch a box similar to mine on the regular. And you know what? I'm cheering them on because they are hopefully going to be unique and what they do is going to be different than what I do. The way I position it, the way I deliver it, the way people get to interact personally with me in the Facebook group and personally with our guest experts. Um, I think it just, it, as long as you're unique, you've got a place in this world. Um, I've seen it happen time and time again where people are doing the copy and paste thing and uh, it's no good. Like just be unique, be yourself, show up, you know, I, I think that's where it comes down to.
Yeah. That's awesome. That's a great takeaway for anyone, whether you're making a subscription box or you're an entrepreneur or you're just out in the world. Like, yeah, exactly. don't try to be someone else. You ain't going to be Oprah. And that's, that's right. There's no that's one. right. <laughs> and it takes mindset work to get through that. And I've done a lot of that work already. And, and that's something that we include a lot of mindset work in the box. Um, throughout the years, we've had topics that have covered that over and over again. So it's, it's natural to compare yourself, I believe, but you just got to work on your mindset and, and be you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your wisdom boxed up in a nice little cute package on our podcast. And I can't wait to see what Sparkle Hustle Grow does. We're going to talk offline because I have an idea for you. Uh, so we're, we're not going to tell our listeners yet. <laughs> Stay tuned. Uh, but to all the Spitfires out there keeping awesome, check out Sparkle Hustle Grow. We're going to put all the links in the show notes and uh, you guys keep spitting that fire. <laughs>